Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. guys. I'm here today with Jennifer Singh from She's Newsworthy Media. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you. Hey, how's it going? It's going very well. So tell, what, let's start. First of all, I, met, I found you because I went to an event that you were, I don't know what we call it, hosting. Moderating. Moderating. Moderate, mediating. It wasn't an argument. <laughs> <laughs> Not that time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I went to an event and you were moderating with the Atelier Collective. That is correct. Yeah. I did that pop-up for Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama, yes. was, unfortunately, wasn't there. You <laughs> know, it was a celebration of having her in Toronto for her book tour. It's funny you say that because the friend that I went with, she goes, oh, Michelle's not going to be there? I'm like, yeah, no, we did not. I, I can't remember what we paid for the event. I want to say it was like fifty dollars I'm like yeah no we didn't pay fifty dollars and we're gonna see Michelle Obama (laughs) like no but no it was amazing you were you were uh, talking to three kind of entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. varying and it was amazing and then um and then your your name popped up uh you were going to be speaking at Toronto International Design Center yes to us designers and that's when I then I got on a call with you and I loved everything you had to say and I thought you know what we should have a very similar conversation on my podcast because you know maybe there's some other people aside from me who would love to get on tv and because you had amazing tips just from our quick chat. So, yeah. so that's how I met you. Yeah, it was amazing. Unfortunately, you were unable to come. But that yeah. day, there was about 60 people in the room. So there definitely is a lot of designers thinking about how to get media exposure. I was actually surprised. I was actually surprised because I feel like designers, in my mind, are doing their own thing. Like they're doing their art, like they're very artistic and they're always designing. And I feel like I didn't realize that there were so many young, talented people that are looking to get more exposure. So it was a really great event. That's amazing. And so why don't you share with everybody a little bit about your kind of experience and where you come from and what uh, She's Newsworthy Media is now? Yeah, so I actually started as a reporter in 1999, <laughs> 98. I started as a print reporter. I was doing um, some articles for Toronto Star and Kitchener Waterloo Record. I started really local and I realized, okay, I want to do journalism. So I climbed my way up the ladder. So over a 15-year period, because I will condense it for you, I lived in the East Coast for a couple years. I worked in New Brunswick. I worked in Nova Scotia and then worked in Toronto for pretty much all of the major media outlets. So I did mostly TV and radio and I worked in front of the camera as well as behind the camera producing and writing. So I actually left the industry approximately, I would say, 2015. I was laid off from my position on air and it was actually the perfect timing because we know in life things happen for a reason. I was pregnant and a lot of people when they heard that Mm. I got laid off around the same time freaked out. They're like, oh my gosh, no job security and like meltdown. But I was like, no, this is a blessing because the idea for She's Newsworthy Media was already 
like it was already, uh, the seed had already been planted for it. So I had within three years, I actually had two kids, which is pretty insane. Yeah. Um, we actually were trying forever. So the timing was just like, everything just happened at the same time. I launched She's Newsworthy Media and it didn't take off. I will tell you in the beginning, it didn't take off like a lot of early businesses. Yeah. Um, partially because I was still like at home with two kids. Yeah. Uh, my son, I did not put him in care. He was home with me for three and a half years. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, crazy. I, like Looking back now, I would have done it sooner. Um, and then I said, okay, let me go full-time with She's Newsworthy Media. And I just went full-time. I would say I finished a year full-time last April. And She's Newsworthy Media is really a different approach to PR. It's not like a typical PR agency. Uh, my perspective and the way that I work with my clients really comes from everything I've learned on the inside. So when you're sending your pitches and crafting a pitch, I know, you know, a press release doesn't work. A customized pitch works. Uh, what kind of things that the media is looking for when it comes to etiquette? you know, when to follow up, how to behave yeah. in studio, things like that, that a lot of people are not going to know, not knocking PR agencies, because I have a colleague that's fantastic, and works with some that are maybe more corporate, where you need more formalized PR help. But entrepreneurs are creatives, and you are the face of your business. So if you're the face of your business and your brand, and you want to make those relationships with the media, and you want to do those lifestyle segments on like morning shows, or even talk about things that are happening in the industry, you have to position yourself in a way that's attractive. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I will say that entrepreneurs make is that they push their business versus pushing their expertise. So I always say that if you are trying to pitch yourself to the media, figure out what your expertise is and figure out how you stand apart from others in your industry. Like the design industry is massive, but every designer has the specific niche and does something different and is unique than the person next to them. And that's what the media wants. They want the story. So, okay, can you, just to make it very clear, can you give us an example of somebody pitching their business and then what, what that looks like so we can be like, oh, shoot, that is what I'm doing versus yeah. somebody pitching their expertise. Yeah. So I see this time and time again, people send me their draft pitches, um, you know, maybe potential clients or somebody who I'm having a chat with and they're trying to figure out what went wrong. And when I read their pitch, usually the pitch is all about them. It's about their experience. It's about what they've done. It's about who they are, who they've worked with, but the pitch has nothing to do with a story. So when the media opens a story, what's attractive to them is, oh, this is a really interesting lifestyle segment. Maybe it's a story about upcycling. Um, this would be great for the morning show. This would be great for, um, you know, maybe the social or maybe Marilyn Dennis, some of those bigger Canadian talk shows. They want to see what the story is, what it is that you uh, are going to be showing them like paint a picture. That's part of it. All that extra stuff about your business and your experience can be slipped into a media kit. People like, and that's, and also a lot of people think that this media kit is this magical uh, document that's going to get them a media spot. I don't know why. I don't know why. So a lot of people invest a lot of time and effort into the media kit. The media kit is a nice to have. I don't think you should focus on it as much as the pitch. What's the story? That makes a lot of sense because, I mean, 
without grabbing them in your emails or whatever, however that pitch looks, they're not even going to open it potentially, right? That media kit. Think about your email and email now. It's not going to be a blast on like a Canadian newswire or one of the major services if you're a small business owner. Um, It's going to be targeted. It's going to be customized. So you're going to be sending it to the correct person because you've already done your research. You're not sending it to a random email address. But um, you're also going to be in that email introducing yourself very, very quickly and getting right to the story. And it's, I, well, this is what I was going to say. It's kind of like email marketing 101. Yeah. Like you don't, you, you don't want to create something that's clickbait, but it has to be a sexy enough title that somebody's going to want to open it as well. Okay, let's talk about that. The subject line. Mm-hmm. That's hard, right? So, so subject line is obviously very important. Yeah, very important. I always say that if you so think hard. about it... It's so hard. Yeah, well, it's hard, but think about it from somebody who's reading it. So most media, they are not necessarily sitting at their desk. They're roaming the field. They're in the field. They're out of the field. They're taking quick lunch breaks. They're reading those pitches most of the time on their mobile devices. So if you have a mobile device, you know that the headline will get cut off. So the biggest mistake that I see is that people are writing really, really long pitches and not getting to the point of the like you know open it up right away so right that's, especially the good parts like at the end you know like yeah. it's like how yeah. blah 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 and all you're reading yeah. and that short is yeah. like how blah 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 and then you're like the good parts over here exactly. and they never see it I think I did that once yeah sure. <laughs> like, I think that that that's also connected to the actual pitch itself where I read pitches where people bury the lead So when you talk about burying the lead, it's when you take the juiciest part of your story and you put it at the bottom of the email. You really have to capture the attention of the person reading it within the first few sentences. So for example, I was working with a client a couple years ago and she was wanting to promote one of her, it was a a fashion designer and the fashion designer had actually worked with Beyonce and that was at the bottom of the pitch. That's kind of a big deal. Like. You put that in the title, girl. You put yeah. that right at the I'm top. Like Beyonce. Say, yeah. 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 You put that in the title. You don't say, oh, by the way. <laughs> okay. Speaking of this, though, I would assume, like, you definitely don't want, like you said, to clickbait where you're, like, making some stuff up just to get the open. And then even though it's a really good story, you're just going to piss probably the person reading it off. Even if your story is really good inside, if you did something just kind of skeezy in the subject just to get them to read that's probably not ideal right? no that's not <laughs> ideal what do you, like you could follow up in a couple days if you haven't heard from uh said person whoever you've sent it to and if you're smart enough and you've done your research you know the day and time that you're sending so let's say you're sending to a show that's airing on the weekend those on-air hosts actually have different schedules. So most of them work like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So don't be sending your pitch on a Wednesday when they're not even in the office, right? So if you send a weekend person a pitch on a Friday, follow up with them maybe on a Saturday or a Sunday. If you're sending something to one of the shows that airs Monday to Friday, send it maybe on a Tuesday and follow up on, on Thursday, You really got to think, you know, like, think think about life in general, Monday morning, who wants to receive a pitch or who wants to receive, we're just getting into, you know, off of the weekend vibe, right? So your emails have probably like piled up anyway, so you already got a lot to go through. Yes. Okay. So you were talking about finding, like, you got to figure out and find the specific person to be Mm -hmm. pitching to. So Mm -hmm. in my experience, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to look up 
I'm going to go to the website. I'm going to the contact, but you know, it doesn't always have a section where it's like submissions here. Mm -hmm. How, like, what are some tips you can give people to try to identify who the right person is when it doesn't, it's not necessarily super obvious. Well, my answer is super obvious. So read, listen, and watch. If you are reading, listening, and watching the media, you will get hints. So most of the reporters, let's say for the morning shows or even for six o'clock news, if you happen to be pitching to something like that, they actually put their, their emails right on TV. Like it's right in the show. But if we're only searching for things online, we're going to miss those types of things. Right. So I think there's the strategy is, uh, there's a couple steps to the strategy. So definitely reading, listening, and watching. Once you figure out who you want to send your pitch to, send it to somebody who you think is going to have a specific interest in your industry. So let's say one of the on-air reporters, if you're smart enough and you're following them on Instagram, maybe they're doing a home reno right now. Maybe they're in the depths of it. They don't necessarily have to be on a lifestyle beat, but that would be your in. That would be your in to show them and to that you've done the research and you've taken the time to invest in them. And you could, you know, kind of incorporate that. You know, I know you're doing home renos right now this summer. I have this wonderful pitch. Uh, Could you send it to X show? So you know what I mean? Like it's kind of your your way into it. It's just like building any sort of relationship. So that's one way. So you want to obviously, you know, read, listen and watch, then do some other scoping out online on Instagram, as well as Twitter. So Twitter is like the hidden place where all the media lives they actually go to twitter because they're it's news it's journalism well not all of twitter but you know what i mean (laughs) yep and a majority of reporters actually have their email addresses right in their bio so it's right there but it's a matter of not just spamming people it's a matter of okay that email address is there so that could give you a tip on what the email format looks like so when you do find the right person you could actually put the proper email together but again it's you know the strategy really is about customizing your pitch and not sending a blast to 10 different shows or 10 different people. If you've done your research and you've done it right, you're likely sending your pitch to one or two people because that pitch is so customized that it's not going to be a fit for everybody. It's going to be a fit for who you've done research on. I mean, I think that's really good. It's basically kind of like marketing 101 too. It's like it's like niching down. It's, it's, it's the whole idea of if you're trying to be everything to everybody, you're nobody to no one. So, you know, the more specific you get, even though maybe it's not going to be for as many people or publications or not publications, but media outlets, uh, at least it's going to be very specific to one that's going to potentially want to pick it up. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and what about etiquette for like, okay, I pitched this one producer. I got nothing back. Can I try to pitch a new story to the same producer again, even if I heard nothing back? Like, okay, I give up on that story. Can I keep trying to pitch, but different stories and see what happens? So this is kind of like human relationships 101. You got to think about it, what you would do in real life. And Mm -hmm. because you are pitching a stranger, I think the best strategy for something like that is, you know, let's take it a couple steps back, making sure that you're sending that producer or that reporter the pitch on the right day and the right time. So when I say time, think about it. If somebody is on air and they're producing a show, let's say I used to work for CCB 24 breakfast. We were on air from 5.30 sometimes until nine. The producers are either in studio or they're watching stuff. So they don't actually get back to their desk until 10. So if you pitch at the right day, 
the right time, you should be able to do a follow-up in a couple days. I would say do two follow-ups. And then if you still hear nothing back, I mean, it's okay to send another pitch maybe down the road, but don't be pitching um, every week or every time. You shouldn't be because your stories need to be connected to the media's news cycle. So mm. you kind of it's, it's kind of one of those things where you have to, to gauge. Um, and then also one of the things, like when you're following up, if they say that it's not a fit for the show or they say something else, a lot of people want to get like feedback and they want to know, well, why? And, you know, it's kind of like, just kind of be easy about it. And if it's not a fit, it's not a fit. Don't ask for a full investigation on <laughs> why your pitch didn't work because yeah. they don't have time. They honestly don't have time, right? Like they're just yeah. moving on to the next person. That makes, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, so, okay, you're, you're finding the right person to pitch to. You're putting together the right pitch. How, how long should a pitch be? And I know when it comes to print, for example, people are like, you should, you know, you pitch your story and also create a link for images. Like you want to make it as easy for people as possible. When it comes to TV, what is like the recipe for creating a pitch and what is included in addition, like, do you need to uh, share links to videos you've done, whether it's your Instagram stories or your YouTube or I don't know, whatever you got? Um, what does that look like? So for TV, it's a little bit different. With some of the local shows, they don't really require you to have extensive on-air experience or previous media interviews. Some of the bigger shows that are national do screen who their guests are. So that means screening to make sure that you're going to be natural on camera. So when you're crafting a pitch for TV or radio, it really should only be about 250 to 300 words. You should be very explicit on the hook, like why it's newsworthy now, uh, who you are, and what you're going to be talking about when you do your segment and then do a small, very, very short call to action near the end of the pitch. Um, I actually have uh, my media pitch template that I use with all my clients. It's the same template. It's tweaked. It's on my website. Um, anybody can find it at she'snewsworthy.com. Really good guide. At the end of that pitch is your sign-off. One of the things that I used to get all the time when I was a reporter, people would not include the correct phone numbers or they will like, include email addresses that don't work or... Just if I'm if I need to get a hold of you, I need to get a hold of you right away, or else I move on to the next person. Right. So that needs to be in there. Uh, I think it's really a good idea to include if you are pitching to somewhere where you a larger show and you have some smaller interviews under your belt, definitely include one or two links, but then include most of that stuff in your media kit that you can attach. Okay. So that's definitely the way to go. The key really, and I've heard this feedback from one of the anchors that I work with, that they don't want to be clicking, clicking, clicking to get to your content. So even what I do, I sent an email this morning, uh, I was doing some media outreach and my website, I just mentioned, well, I didn't mention my website, but I said, you know, I found it, she's newsworthy media. And I just linked she's newsworthy media right in the email. Right. So not like in an additional link, uh, just making it as easy, easy, easy as possible. I love that. And okay, one thing that when we chatted was really good advice was um, how you talked about kind of like how to work your way into like, we talked about the social, Marilyn mm -hmm. Dennis, like those are bigger, obviously bigger media, um, like TV shows to get on. Mm -hmm. um, and so what's, what's a person's strategy who has no experience in order to get to that point? And we had talked about this and I would love it if you could share that again so that everybody else can hear it. Because it, yeah. it was really good advice. 
and that I had not considered. I was just trying to go for the big guns. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. You really have to think about strategy when you're doing media outreach and not just, um, it kind of goes back to your question about, you know, if you pitch somebody and you don't hear anything, like, do you pitch them again? You really want to do everything in a way that's going to be the best impression on yourself. So having your, your, your pitch together, sending it to the right person so that when you, like, let, let's say you just like immediately today just started pitching to the social and you're not getting responses. When you actually have your media strategy in place and you got your shit together, um, yeah. they're kind of going to be like, oh yeah, this is the girl that kept on messaging me. Yeah. And it right? wasn't great then. So now they're just like, <laughs> yeah. don't open. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm. exactly. So what I always recommend, because I have a lot of my clients that do want to get on those bigger shows is to do some of the smaller shows. So some of the local shows getting in on maybe something that only with their CP24 breakfast weekend is the only one that runs um, we, that's the only breakfast show in Toronto that runs, but doing even, you know, going a little bit outside of the city to like Kitchener or to Hamilton, they have breakfast shows as well. And they're always looking for talent, get your, you know, demo reel up to shape, maybe two to three times. And then you have enough content to pitch to the Toronto market. It's very similar to what I had to do when I was working in the industry in order for me to be, you know, a Toronto radio reporter, a Toronto TV reporter. I actually, that's part of the reason why I moved out to the East coast. Cause you go out, you get your, you get your experience, you make your mistakes, right? You make your yeah. mistakes, you learn from them. And then you pitch to the big shows. Very, very similar. So you said demo reel. So you're saying is the demo reel a reel of like me actually having been on TV and and well, or and if I haven't been do I make my own like where I'm pretending to be? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. I've actually heard people saying that. Um actually it was another designer. That's funny. Um no, so it's not really a typical demo reel. What is more useful is if the media has posted links of your stories. Like let's say you, you go out to Hamilton and do a, you know, a morning show there and they post the link and you can include that link there. Okay. I mean, if doing more of like a traditional demo reel is really for somebody who's trying to be an on-air expert or like an on-air reporter. Got it. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So what is your, okay. So I, I put in the, um, I send my pitch. And now all of a sudden, what normally what happens after a pitch? Are they just like, yeah, come on in. You're going to be on air and you're going to do this. Or do they do like any prelim stuff to see if you're even worthy before that? What's the next step typically? So again, it depends on whether you're doing like a big show. I don't know. How bad is it? Can you hear it pretty I, bad? I, I can't hear it. It's okay. Like, then it's, you, yeah. It's like, it's like a hissing in the background. That's all. Okay. We're just... Sorry to the listeners if you're hearing some stuff. This is not professional quality podcast. It is what it is. We're going to keep going. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, like, what's like what actually happens after you send your pitch? So, it depends. So, most of the, like, if you're pitching to, like, a breakfast show, uh, they usually book up weeks and sometimes months in advance because they have a lot of time to fill. So, they usually, if they love your pitch, then they'll send you a couple dates and you can ask, you know, some of the logistical questions. Uh, if you are working on a lifestyle show, like um, a national lifestyle show, like a, like The Social or Marilyn Dennis, and they love your pitch, you usually are assigned a producer. So that producer will 
get on the phone with you and try to figure out the elements of your, of your, of your, of your segment and ask you questions. And you guys will actually produce that together. So it's a little bit different. If you are doing, let's say for example, there was some sort of, I'm totally making this some sort of news story that said designers are the leading industry in Canada. And you know, the Canadian economy is booming because of the amount of designers, let's just say, and it's more of a news story. If you wanted to put your angle and say, that's, um, you know, that's so interesting. Um, I'm actually a designer and this has been in my experience and you pitch to like a news show, that would be a pitch that you would whip out. There's nothing. They would just tell you, come on in. Like that's, so it's very different for news versus a breakfast show versus, you know, something like the, the social or a Marilyn Dennis. Right. And I mean, I see designers who have segments on things like Marilyn Dennis and the, not necessarily the social as much, but um, there's or a like lot of city line, right? Or like city line. Right. Yeah. I see like they almost like design a little mini room on the show. Mm-hmm. So my guess is that the designer is responsible to make that all happen. Or does, does the TV show normally have like a little bit of support to help you execute on going to get the things to build that little mini room that's on the show? So I don't know necessarily about that, but from my experience, what I've seen, if you are doing like a breakfast show, a smaller show, you actually have to bring in all your props. Um, One of my former clients was actually just on a morning show this week in Toronto. And she said that she had to like create everything for the really small shows that don't have a budget. I've heard of clients bringing in like the stands to like put their stuff on. So I think they may have a team to like help you bring stuff into the building. But other than that, you are pretty much putting everything together. Um, if you are one of the bigger names that are on those shows and you are crafting a room, you likely already have a team around you that's doing yeah. all that stuff. I was told the other day um, that somebody, this was a story from uh, Debbie Travis, actually. Yeah, Debbie okay. Travis. I love, love Debbie Travis. I'm not a designer, obviously, but I read one of her books years ago. I remember I was coming home and I just had so much respect for her. She's almost like the Oprah, like, cause she's such a smart businesswoman. Yeah. But somebody was telling me, and I can't remember exactly what it is, but Debbie was on one of the shows and, you know, she didn't prep anything. Like she had her entire team prep everything for her and she just kind of shows up and does her little thing. So Glorious. yeah, I know. Right. Isn't that your dream? That's <laughs> the dream peeps. Yeah. It's the dream. Okay, so let's say I get I get the segment, right? We whoever gets your their segment. What is your advice on how to be as presentable as possible during your segment? What to wear? And like, is there etiquette as far as like, okay, you need to be very <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> like when you're talking, you need to make sure you're not rambling on. You want to make sure they're short snippets. Like what, what's, what's the deal with all that stuff? I mean, you have to be really conversational. That's the biggest thing. I, for me personally, if I'm doing a media interview or even when I was a reporter, I would always prep my notes, but I would never read my notes. I would yeah. always prep my notes in a way where I felt like I was having a conversation with one person. A lot of people can get intimidated or in their heads when they're on TV or on the radio because they're thinking only about the millions of people watching or listening. They get intimidated and they frame the way they talk as if they're talking to millions, but you really should be framing it as if you're talking to a good friend or you're explaining it to somebody. So really, like, really, really try to be conversational. Um, you know, prep notes if you are going to be, you know, speaking about different elements in your segment, but really try to have that memorized, but not memorized word for word, but just so that you can kind of think about um, what's next. I always say, 
for each point, it's like a hamburger. So you want to have a little bit of the intro, a little bit of the meat, and then a little bit of the extra. Okay. So the hamburger, we're talking about the hamburger. Yeah. So like when you're thinking about answering a question, it's almost like the, the hamburger paragraph, right? Like when we learned in elementary school back in the day where you have a little bit of the intro of what it is, um, a little bit of the meat is the content or the example. And then you kind of wrap it up into a into the transition to the next point. So if you are going into uh, one of the talk shows and you're going to be doing a segment on, let's say, um, you know, getting your kids school, getting your kids room ready for back to school and you have different elements, you got to think about it like that. So this is, we have this, you know, I always say it's like tell and show instead of show and tell. So you tell what you're, you know, talk about what it is and then show how it works or show what, you know, physically get engaged with whatever prop that you have brought on set. It's good to be, you know, just as engaging versus just standing still and, you know, being a talking head. That's right. I think that's good advice too. There's nothing worse though. um, (laughs) When you, when you see somebody where you're like, this doesn't feel like a real conversation. It sounds rehearsed. It doesn't feel natural. You know, when you see some people who are like, I'm going to do video. And then you're just like, it's so crazy. Like, just be normal. Just talk to the camera like it's a person. And like you would talk in real life and don't try to be something you're not. Just be normal. It's hard for people though. It's not, it's a skill that, it's skill that that's developed. A lot of people are very conscious about how they look on camera, right? So Mm -hmm. that's one of the things. But I think when you're trying to uh, figure out how to be natural on camera, do it like you take advantage of Instagram stories, take advantage of IGTV, start putting yourself out there, start, you know, getting comfortable. If you, if you are so uncomfortable doing that, there's no way you're going to survive on live TV there yeah. across the country. And it's really about looking back and seeing how you sound. I always focus on how you sound versus how you look first, because, you know, especially if you're a female and you are trying to put yourself on TV, we know that we are judged from head to toe. So some of the things that I work on when I'm um, coaching my clients is things like your pace, pace, your pitch, your tone, uh, your filler words. That was one of mine right there. Uh, uh, you know, you know, eliminate. That is hard. I do that too. (laughs) You know what? Say it in your head silently. And if you're conscious about doing it, then you will notice it and not do it as much. That's one of the tips that I do. Great. But just really focusing on your delivery and being articulate and, you know, having your, your shit together so that people are listening to you first and looking at you second. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously, as I said, you know, TV is a visual medium. So people are always, you know, taking apart people. And I will tell you, the TV does add 15 pounds. I will tell you that right now, which, you know, not ideal, not really great news for us, but you can can like avoid, not avoid it, but you can work with the camera. Um, I mean, for me, my weight fluctuated so many times when I was on air, like extreme fluctuation from like like a 20 pound fluctuation, like ridiculous. Um, and people notice, and then they go on Twitter and they start making comments. I know, I know super inappropriate. So there's some tricks that I did. I mean, solid colors is also really good. Um, if you, I love wearing anything that's like a V neck or, you know, a little bit of a scoop neck so that it's not, you know, chopping you off. Um, but solid prints usually work best. If you were doing, I had a client so funny. So, you know, you've heard of like a green screen, right? Yep. 
So some studios actually have a blue screen. So that's kind of a question. If you are booked, if you are booked in, ask if you're going to be in front of a green screen or a blue screen so you know what to wear. My client went in in a blue dress and they <laughs> literally had to move the set over so she wouldn't appear naked. Like just some of those things. You but, think they would tell a girl that? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, well, hey, I- heads up, don't wear blue. We got a blue screen. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. But some yeah. of those shows as well, Canadian media industry is literally, um, the staff in some of those shows are not as big as, as we think they are. Right. Right. So a lot of different things and there's lots of rotation, right? There's, I worked at every single station because of that reason, right? There's right. jobs here, then they disappear, then there's jobs here, then they disappear. And it's just kind of the way of, um, the Canadian media, um, outlets work right now. But yeah, I mean, that's why it's good to be prepared and ask some of those questions. Right. Um, one thing I wanted to note on the, um, you know, going on Instagram live or Instagram TV or stories and Facebook. Um, one thing that I did early on before, cause that is very intimidating for sure. Uh, and I do think like it just, the more you do it, the more you just not care as much. And when I first started my business, I was, I was relevant, but I was really thinking I was going to build an online business and da da da. And I found this group, it was called um, Facebook live for newbies. It was a group. (laughs) And so the whole, and I don't know if it's still available, but I assume it might still be, but the whole point of it was go live in this group and just practice so that you're not doing it in front of other people, which I think is a really good strategy. Make a group if you want, if you want to practice and you have to have one person that you invite to a group. So figure out, you know, Hey, partner, I'm going to invite you, but never go in and just go live to yourself. Because, and another thing that I do just to practice is when I'm driving in my car, I just, I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to do a podcast. Like when I used to do these early on, or if I know that I'm doing someone else's podcast or I'm doing something, then I, I just practice saying what I think I need to say. And then I go, okay, well, that was a bit wordy. And I'm not trying to like rehearse and like memorize. Cause that's not a good look, but it's just, just doing it for yourself wherever you can, like around my house. I'm just like pretending I'm on TV and I'm talking. And I find even that helps you kind of find your voice a little bit as well. So it's like, you don't have to do it in a totally social platform. No. It's like record for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Laptop and, yes. and never show anybody, but look at yes. it yourself and just force yourself to try to do it in a way that there's no audience, but pretend like, you know, whatever. So just some tips for people to like, get that comfort level up, even if they're just trying to do it for themselves on their own social, right? Yeah. I mean, it's funny it, is it is scary. It's funny because we actually did some of that in the, in the event that I did. So some of the speakers, we actually, there was amazing tech there. So we actually were able to have what was on their cell phones projected on the big screen, which of course oh. is very scary for people. And we went through some of the things that they could do and improve, but just really getting... Yeah, getting comfortable, but I feel like you always need that extra set of eyes and those extra set of ears from somebody who is not like a really, well, it depends. My husband's really upfront on how I am. If if I suck, he'll tell me and I usually ask him, you know, his opinion, but getting somebody that's not just going to say, oh my God, that was so great. And then, you know, you don't improve from that, right? But if you have a guideline, yeah, again, just, you know, recording yourself on your cell phone, it does not have to go, uh, live on IGTV or doesn't have to go on Insta stories or even Facebook live, but just recording and practicing and seeing how you look and do pay attention to those things like your pace, 
and your tone and your pitch. If you pay attention to those types of things and your filler words, you're going to start noticing and you're going to start improving on your own so that when you are ready to do some of those things live, that it's going to be much more smooth transition for sure. Okay, let's go back to this, the filler words thing. Mm-hmm. So just want to make sure I understand. So you were saying a good strategy to eliminate the filler words is whatever your filler words are, say them in your head. Mm-hmm. Or um, pause before you say it. So I have this thing whenever I go onto social media and I do Instagram stories and I have filler words too, right? I always pay attention to how I am. I, for some reason, start videos with so. Me and too. I just, yeah, and, and then I continue. <laughs> because Instagram is like a different platform. It's not like, especially when you're doing stories and you do them in chunks, it's very strange, yes. right? Yep. So for example, if I was, you know, I went up to Blue Mountain and if I was going into one room and then going to another room or showing something, I would say, so this is da-da-da. Oh my God, I do of, it too. That's kind of boring, first of all, right? So yep. I always just say it in my head now and then start talking, right? I'm I just, love I'm that. just conscious of it. Uh-huh. Another yeah. one is, hey guys. Yeah, that's one of the ones that actually I follow the content planner, Kat Gaskin, and she actually had a story on actually a sponsored ad that I saw going through because she's promoting a course right now. But that was one of the things. A lot of people go on Instagram stories and say, hey guys, or I'm just popping on here today. Or yeah. so, yes. and, I was like, and I was like, shoot, I do that too. I need Me to too. stop doing it. It's completely a different medium. I mean, when you're in studio and you're doing media interviews, the anchor or the host is directing the conversation. You're being asked a question and you are not saying, Hey guys, yeah. you're saying, you know, Oh, one of the things that I want to tell people, cause I feel like every time, um, and this is like a cultural thing sometimes too, or people are just so overexcited. They go on a show, the anchor or host will introduce them. And then the person will not just say, Oh, thanks for having me. Or I'm so excited to be here. They'll just go on and on and be like, oh my God, I'm so glad to be here. This is like so great. Like you don't do that. That's not okay. That is great advice. (laughs) That's not cool. That's not professional. Uh, You just, you know, graciously say thanks for having me or I'm so excited to be here and then just go right into it. Just like your pitch, right? Don't go on and on about some other crazy stuff. Just get right into the story. That's what you're there for. Amazing. I would probably do that. So (laughs) sometimes too, it's just like nerves kick in and you're just like, Mm -hmm. must be talking, 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 talking. Do you have any advice on how to like say something that's of interest or value in a minute or less without like going nuts? It's so hard. I find it so hard to, to hit the notes and then show my personality and be done in a minute. Well, think about it. If you are watching something or listening to something, you don't want to jam pack it with so much information. You want to be able to communicate with somebody so they have something to take away from that conversation. So definitely just preparing some notes, but sticking to two to three points, max. Don't be going into you know X, Y, and Z. Again, just like your pitch, bring the most important stuff to the very top of that pitch. I feel like you, you specifically are like, you have a lot of energy and I feel like you do show your personality right off the bat. And I see your enthusiasm and I can tell you're totally excited. So that's what they're looking for. Like they're looking to see if they are going to be able to have some life when they put you on air. Right. Because so I don't things- need to say like certain specific things to be like, no. here's my personality. Hopefully it just shines through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, tell them who you are, maybe um, where you're from, why you're passionate about what you do, how you help others and... Um, maybe one or two quick like headlines of tip like ideas that you could potentially do. 
but definitely just um, practice before you have to do. I know you said you recorded 75 times almost. I believe you. <laughs> I totally believe. I've had to do things like that too, where I'm actually terrible recorded. I'll tell you that. I'm better live. And it's just yeah, like a because med- it's like you don't overthink it, right? You're yeah. like, this is what it is. Yeah. Yes. It's a mental thing. It's totally a mental shift. I do not like doing things recorded at all. <laughs> yeah. No, it's hard. And you know what I don't like? The the biggest struggle for me to do any of the live stuff, like uh well, first of all, I love Insta stories because I do not care. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that feels less produced to me, first of all, I don't put a bunch of pressure. I was doing some YouTube stuff for a while. But the idea of having to edit the video that I would yeah. do, it was so exhausting to me because like filler word, like need to work on that. Um, <laughs> but I, I would just feel it needed to be perfect. So yeah. then I would put it off because I'm like, oh, it's too much for me to think about having to sit down and edit. It's a lot of work. Go on Instagram live. I go on like this, throw on a filter, do not care. But for me, the hardest part is knowing that people I know are going to yeah, see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and feeling the judgment. If yeah. I've always been better, go into a room. Yeah. I don't care how many people are there, but as long as I don't know anybody, I'm good. But if I feel, yes. you know, it was a presentation where my boss was there who I really respect and I know she knows some of my insecurities, especially if somebody knows some of my insecurities, then I start to get really into my head. So that Facebook live that I did for the first time, I remember my heart pounding and just going, Oh God, I hope nobody I know watches this. They're going to judge me. They're going to be like, who does she think she is? But you just kind of have to let that go at some point. Well, what, see, I, I, I struggled with this a little bit of this too, right? Even when I was live on air and it was one of those things where I started, you know, going to work and I wasn't in my flow because I was thinking about how do I look? How do I sound? What am I going to, you know, what are people going to think? And I, that was the focus of what was at the top of mind every day I went in and I shift my focus from that to how am I going to help people? So what is what I'm saying going to help somebody? So when you focus on that first, everything else, it doesn't disappear, but it goes away and you get more passionate and you're, you know, really focused on how am I going to deliver something that's going to make the difference in somebody's life? And I tell that to everybody. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're pitching or if you're doing social media, like nobody wants more marketing pushed out at them, right? We know that. Um, but it takes the attention off of yourself. And once you do that, once you really are focused on giving a message that's helping others, people are going to connect with that. People are going to see how passionate you are. And, you know, some of those other voices are just going to slip away. But I totally get what you're saying. I mean, my mom and my, and my, and my husband, like if I have to do something in front of them, I, you know, I resist. Mm -hmm. I would rather, again, just do it something in a, in a room full of strangers. So Totally. So true. I feel like that's such a great way to kind of end this. That's such great advice. Why don't you tell everybody, because I know there's lots of different ways people can work with you. Mm. Uh, share with everybody those, those different ways that they can. So there's a couple different ways. I work one-on-one with clients where I help them craft their pitches and um, you know put together their media calendar, letting them know times of year that they should be pitching to the media. Uh, pretty much hand over my entire contact list. That's one of the big things. That's and huge. put together their media kit. But through that process, through one-on-one, uh, you at the end of it, you actually are independent and you are able to pitch on a regular basis. Some of my clients um, within the three-month period working with me end up 
landing on air three times. Uh, and then they can go on and they are flying and they're pitching on their own. Other clients that come out of the one-on-one work continue to check in with me on a month-to-month basis. And I've structured my programs so that you are the person building the relationship with the media. And that's why I say it's very different from traditional PR. So the media does not love that middle person, right? It's just another block to the actual yeah. story. So that's kind of what it's like working one-on-one. Some of the clients that work one-on-one with me, um, they work one-on-one because maybe they don't have time to write their own pitches in the beginning. After they've worked with me, they realize how like easy it is because it's only about 250 words, um, but maybe they still need some help with the on-camera part. So that's one-on-one. And the other thing that I launched recently that is really taking off is my group coaching program. So it's pretty much modeled exactly after how I work with my VIPs, but you do a little bit more of the hands-on. So you're writing your pitch and you're bringing it to me and I'm editing it, to, editing it for you, but I'm still connecting you with the media. So I launched that for the first time in June and I'm actually going to be... It's, going be by the end that 2019 is done I would have done it four times like it's just the demand for it is is insane and clients are getting real results like I actually just started um a new session the beginning of August or the beginning of this week and I had a client that we had our strategy strategy session on Monday and she's going to be on air on Sunday across the country like we just move so fast yeah. So, and can people work with you virtually? So, because a lot of listeners um, actually are from all over, all over. Yeah. So do they need it's to be all in Toronto? virtual? No, it's all virtual because I'm a mom with two small kids. I actually that was one of the reasons why I became an entrepreneur. And I'm sure a lot of you know this is you know, when you have kids, family changes, and I can't travel in Toronto and be somewhere. So everything is done virtually uh, over Zoom, and it's just so much easier. People can't believe that I do on camera coaching over Zoom, but it's perfect right? Because I can yeah. have you are on camera. Yes. Yeah, that's so smart, actually. Okay, so tell everybody then uh, what your website is and where they can follow you yeah. on social media. So on my, my website is she'snewsworthy.com. And when you get to that website, you can actually download my media pitch template that I talked about today. Uh, as well, you can follow me on she, at she's newsworthy on Instagram. That's mostly where I'm mostly active. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, which you can do through my media pitch template, I send out really valuable content. I've had people tell me that I'm not spamming them. So I really try to send out content that's going to be valuable and help you and, you know, really, um, you know, move your business forward and give you some of that inside information that you would not get otherwise. I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time. I think uh, I forgot when these were scheduled that it's the long weekend. So I know it's asking a lot for people to do this before a long weekend. So thank you so much and have an awesome weekend. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I love doing this with you today. Thank you. 